0: Welcome back to the podcast series. As stated, the opinions expressed are those of the individual speakers and not necessarily those of the companies they represent. So let's get started. I'm gonna get right to it here, and I'm gonna start out with Sean. How important are general communication skills for a medical affairs role? Sean?
1: So, so the lightning answer, John, is very, but, I, but I'll expand a little bit on that. Uh, so. You know, the the role is, is one where uh, primarily you are interacting with the various stakeholders um, and m- meeting them on, you know, at an appropriate level, with appropriate um, evidence, but most importantly, with an understandable message so that they, their needs are fulfilled. So, you have to be able to um, craft your argument, so to speak, so that it's appropriate for the the, the various stakeholders, and you have to be able to... Uh, explain the science of your product um, uh, in in a way that is digestible by by them and and meaningful to them. Uh, not only you know with external stakeholders, John, but there are lots of interactions with other um, other stakeholders internal to the company. You're going to be interacting with the quality organisation, with the regulatory organisation, with the research and development organisation in in the device sector, the sort of engineering organization, and being able to explain to them what the um, what the medical needs are, and uh, you know maybe uh, why their particular solution doesn't actually address those needs, you know these are the the communication skills that will facilitate a successful career as a medical affairs professional in the device industry.
0: Thanks very much, Sean. Cube, following up in a similar uh, vein that Sean was talking about, what personality type works best in the highly matrix corporate environment that Sean just described?
2: Um, Yeah, that's a good question. I do think um, since in medical affairs we do work with a lot of different uh, departments and typically we are matrix, so I think the best personality you can have is that you're open and collaborative with a lot of different departments somebody in regulatory probably thinks very differently than somebody in a commercial function and i think it's it's really good you know for a medical affairs person to work with um, all of those so typically if you better understand where those people or departments come from that certainly will 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 help you in the end Um, so empathy um, but also you know trying to find a common goal between the different departments is is always uh, really good Um, I think other personality types I see is I do think you know we do work in, in a business so I do think you know you do need some commercial skills I think the best people that you know get into the higher kind of levels of, of what we do, they certainly get closer and closer to the commercial functions. So I do think you definitely need to understand um, how the business works and, you know, what your department or what your role can be. So those are, I think, some of the personality types that I see work, be- work best in a matrix function.
0: Absolutely. Uh, it does require understanding who your audience is. Um, Sean transition to leadership and leading through influence, compare and contrast that to leading with authority. Uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, influence versus authority in medical affairs leadership?
1: Yeah. Um, John, obviously both are important, but I think, um, Using one's uh, emotional intelligence, so to speak, and winning over hearts and minds is really critical to success. Uh, at the end of the day, people are people, and so you know, um, when there's something in it for all parties, what's in it for me, basically, what's in it for them. Uh, if you can find a way of, of of delivering on that, it it's a key to a successful medical affairs um, career. So. Uh, Successful um, medical personnel in our industry are those that establish good networks and relationships with all their internal and external uh, uh, st- stakeholders and um, are able to bring to them, to those stakeholders, compelling reasons to you know, believe in the product, to, to accept the submission, to, uh, to change course and develop, and develop a different product and so on. So, um, you know, you, your your skills, your emotional skills, your ability to influence people will, will, will always help win the day. Authority comes from, from that. Uh, if you have established the right r- relationship with people, they then tend to put a lot of emphasis on whatever your scientific background and scientific skills are and your hierarchical position uh, I- in the organization. But if you simply try to to, to leverage that sort of, uh, you know, almost like, um, you know, a, a sort of a military hierarchy. I think you're less likely to be successful if you'll be successful at all. And then, of course, um, you know, as you work with, with external uh, uh, stakeholders, you don't have the ability to use a, a hierarchical pos- position um, to, to, to uh, to, to achieve the, the ends that you need to achieve. So there, you're, again, your, your softer skills, your emotional skills are really gonna be paramount.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, I think those are the key points that uh, really allows for the pathway to success. You, what, are your, what are your thoughts uh, about being a good influencer, uh, picking up the theme that Sean laid out about a high emotional intelligence, your thoughts?
2: yeah no i i think i'm fully in agreement if you first you may be internal first so within the company if you want to influence different departments and often you know you would like to do that it certainly takes a lot of communication skills to make sure that you know you bring your point forward um in a clear concise manner but also that People that don't have scientific uh, background or skills can understand and what it would mean for the business. So I think um, communication is always really, really important. I think if you better understand the business goal, um, you can usually um, also explain that better. But if you understand where the other departments come from, that certainly will increase how well you can influence. Um, And then I think a lot internally has to do with trust. So people Um, trust you so you you know in order to influence they have to understand where you're coming from that you thought it through that you're thorough Um, but certainly there's a good amount of trust I always think is in involved in that then of course external to influence other uh, physicians or KOLs or pharmacists or whoever you'd like to influence I think Um, A lot has to do with how well you prepared and whether they trust you with your scientific backgrounds a lot of physicians will test you out to see you know how much do you know about um, a certain disease or how much do you know about a drug so I think in order to influence them you have to not waste their time Uh, make sure that you're efficient um, that you know your product in and out that you know the clinical trials in and out and then usually Um, It comes with trust and respect that once a physician sees that you don't waste their time and you're very thorough in what you do and you're helpful and you can explain things to them, then um, you certainly are able to influence them um, in their opinion.
0: Thank you very much. I mean, it is uh, clearly uh, much like there's leadership roles for people in clinical practice. It seems that it takes on a very, very different level of complexity in a company, uh, whether it be a pharma or medical device. Uh, That being said, we are... having to have a high emotional intelligence, we're able, having to be able to translate key topics. Sean, what are the keys in being able to translate medical science, which we all know and are very comfortable with, uh, into business language for our uh, business and commercial partners that may not have the scientific background we do?
2: Yeah,
1: one of the critical responsibilities of medical affairs professionals, I I think in, you know, in pharma and devices, but in particular in pharma is... um, Bringing the science to other uh, internal stakeholders uh, in a way that is digestible and and meaningful to them. So the first thing that you have to do is obviously try to um, couch the science in in uh, language and um, appropriate complexity for the for the stakeholder at at their level. You're obviously dealing with people who may not have or likely don't have the same medical or scientific Training that you do, but whose opinion is you know equally important, and uh, who have to understand what you, what you're telling them so that they can make an appropriate decision for whatever their responsibility is—a quality decision, a regulatory decision, a, a, a pure commercial decision—and I think sometimes we have a tendency to get um, too caught up in the um, in the elegance of this of the science, in this wonderful trial design highly complex that nobody's ever thought of before and 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 look how wonderful you know it it is look look at the you know the p-value or the 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 power whatever it happened to be and and once that's clearly critical from a scientific point of view I think you know you could you could do that in different language you could say you know we've used rigorous science from a statistical point of view you know these data are completely uh, uh, m- meaningful. But from your point of view, the clinical outcomes were the following or what this means for the for the FDA is the following. So I think you have to understand what the, um, the other stakeholder needs to hear and present the information to them in a way that you're fulfilling those needs, not necessarily your scientific needs.
0: Thank you so much, Sean.
1: You are uh...
0: We're hearing from Sean about the importance of a a strong science background, but we just heard also that it's you got to be able to modulate or calibrate it to your audience. But at the end of the day, you got to know it. How important is a strong scientific background for these roles.
2: Um, I think it's It's very key. Um, I still rely a lot on my own science background um, and but you're absolutely right that it takes more than that just to succeed in a business. But I do believe, though, sometimes, you know, if you have a strong science background, um, you can certainly um warn the company if you think um, a certain decision is not correct based on your science background. You might work with somebody in commercial that made a lot of assumptions why we, you should do something or not, uh, or a project should go ahead or not. But I think um, having a strong science background is key in working with other departments to change or uh, maybe change the direction where the company is heading um, so I, I do believe that within a company the people with strong science backgrounds certainly um, should have a important say in, in um, the direction the company is taking um, and I think a lot of times people with strong science backgrounds or strong clinical skills they have a very keen sense for where the market is going um, and so that can certainly help um, commercial function in making sure that you make the, the right decisions. Um, so hopefully that gave a little bit of background on some of the aspects, I would think.
0: Thank you, gentlemen, for these important insights. We hope the listeners have enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights in regards to transitioning between medtech, pharmaceuticals, and vice versa.